God himself is said to be angry at things, which means it can be a sin. God is without sin. And so if God is angry, it's not necessarily a sin to be angry. Paul writes to one of the churches to, to be angry and do not sin. So to, to be angry at certain things and yet to not do that in a sinful way. Okay. How about hatred? Is it a sin to hate? Is it wrong to hate? Well, that depends as well, doesn't it? God hates certain things, the Bible says. Uh, we are told to hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Indeed, it's hard to love some things without also hating their opposite. It's hard to love justice without hating oppression, and hating slavery, hating racism and abuse. And we can go on and on with these types of words that we typically will think of as sinful, and yet there may be a good godly manifestation of them as well. You might think of jealousy or pride to add to the list. What about boasting? Is it a sin to boast? We're going to do that same exercise this morning as we think about boasting. Is it wrong to boast? Obviously, the way I'm setting this up, <laughs> see where this is going. It's another one of those, well, maybe it depends on the context, depending on what we're talking about here. But what kind of boasting then is okay? How do you know you're not boasting in an inappropriate way? Could you be negligent and not boasting? Are there certain things that you're meant to be boasting about? Things you're meant to take glory in that you're not? It's a good consideration for us. We're going to look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. If you could make your way there in your copy of God's Word, there are pew Bibles there in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to take that Bible with you today as a free gift from us to you that you might have God's Word and get to know Him better. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're, we're just in the middle of a series where we're going through the book of 2 Corinthians kind of chunk by chunk and seeing what God would have for us in His Word. And we will be in verses 7 through 18 this morning, I'm going to give you kind of a, a statement that I think governs what we're going to look at and what this text is about. Uh, the statement is this, Christ makes commendable. Christ makes commendable. And so we'll, we'll, I want you to have that phrase in your mind as we're looking at this topic of boasting this morning, because whether it's in regard to our own personal boasting or whether that is in our assessment of other people who may be making certain boasts, we need to have that phrase that would govern the whole thing, Christ makes commendable. As we go through this text, I have three points this morning. If you're taking notes, it might be helpful to have these in mind to track where we're at. So number one, boast in God. Number two, boast in God-given authority. And number three, boast in gospel accomplishments. So boast in God, boast in God-given authority, and boast in gospel accomplishments. Join me in 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 7. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ's, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ's, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. 
Let such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned to us. To reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you, for we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Number one, boast in God. I want to do something that's a little different than what I might typically do in a sermon. I actually want to start at the end of the text and then go back up to the beginning after that. And I want to start at the end of the text because... Verses 17 and 18 that we just read are are something of of a summary statement of everything that Paul is arguing in this passage. Verses 17 and 18 are foundational for everything that Paul says above verses 17 and 18. So if you look there at the text again where he says, Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. You might notice uh, quotation marks there around uh, that phrase, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You might also recognize that that is straight out of Jeremiah chapter 9, which we read earlier in our service together. So Paul has that in mind. Paul is quoting Jeremiah here, which is a passage in which God himself tells people how they should boast. So as Paul is going to talk about boasting, his boasting, these people in Corinth, they're boasting, He uh, has in mind this foundational principle that let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And he's getting that from Jeremiah. Listen again to what Jeremiah says that we read earlier. uh, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So we see here the kind of boasting that Paul has in mind for us, right? It's not not the arrogant, prideful kind of bragging that might come uh, normally to mind when we think of boasting. No, he has in mind here boasting in God, boasting in the Lord. Now, it's worth noting, while we're on Jeremiah, it's worth noting there that in the Jeremiah passage that God doesn't uh, deny the the fact that people have the ability to list some accomplishments. Accomplishments that have been accomplished, certainly given the God-given bodies and minds and abilities that he's given us. So by his common grace, we're able to accomplish these things, but accomplishments nonetheless. He doesn't strip us bears as though no one were, uh, none of that were true and that there weren't accomplishments out there. And so, no, he says that there are wise people, right? There are mighty people. 
there are rich people. And that's true here, friends, at Delray Baptist Church this morning as well. There are really intelligent people here this morning. There are people who have served at the highest levels of our government and our military here this morning in this room. There are people who have security clearances, who know about all the UFO stuff that you can't talk about. There are people who have had success in business. There are wealthy people. There are people who are partners at law firms. There are people with doctorates or athletic people. There are people who are just sought out by others because of your, your, your compassion and your empathy and your love and your wisdom and your counsel that you can give to other people. Right? That's great. That's great and as far as it goes. But God says, let not people boast in those things. Don't have that be your boast. Rather, let them boast that they understand and know me. That's what God said. That's your boast. So church, what, what identifies you? What is it that makes you who you are? What is, what is your glory, as it were? You know, we had a, the joy of, we have a baptism here this morning at the end of the service, a couple baptisms. We had the joy of baptizing a brother last month, one of the brothers from uh, the Georgetown uh, student, uh, Campus Outreach Student Ministry. Uh, but uh, whenever th this brother that we baptized, if you were here, you remember this, he had been calling himself a Christian for years. And it wasn't until we asked him that question, what identifies you? Who are you? What gets listed first and foremost and most prominently on your profile or on your biography, as it were? And he confessed, well, it's certainly not Jesus. Jesus is actually toward the bottom of the list of who I am. And so we, we, we just were able to sit with him at that point and say, I understand that you're calling yourself a Christian, but that's not the type of a thing that the Christian says. Jesus is not at the bottom of your social media profile, but at the top. Now, Jesus is not this thing, guy on the side that you uh, come to whenever you need help or kind of just culturally you consider yourself to be a Christian, but he is all. He is who you are. He, he is your very life. And he said, well, I don't know that that's me. So we encouraged him to spend time reflecting on that and reading scripture with others, and he kept hearing the gospel and Two years later, he comes back and he's like, yeah, that happened now. Jesus is my boast. God saved me. And, and, and he it was almost embarrassed that he said those things before. He's like, I can't even believe that I would have said those types of things, that Jesus wasn't the number one thing in my life. Because whenever he saves somebody, that is what he saves them to be about. God saved him, and it was an amazing thing to see. He was now boasting in Christ. He was standing for truth. He was engaging in gospel conversations on Georgetown campus. He was challenging friends on some of their assumptions. He was boldly sharing the gospel and saying, yeah, in a very difficult place, I'm a Christian. That's what identifies me. That's my boast. He couldn't believe he had ever had those misaligned priorities. And so church, what is your identity? What most defines who you are? What makes you you? Friends, the things that we put our confidence in, the things that, that most define us, 
The, 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 the things that we feel determine our, our value ultimately, determine our identity ultimately, the things in which we find our ultimate strength, those things can be very deceptive and dangerous if they're anything other than Christ. Because they're, they're deceptive and they're dangerous because what we can do is we can be tempted to live as though this temporal life is all there is. And if that's true, if this temporal life is all there is, then yeah, roll out those accomplishments. Put your confidence in those things. Make that your boast. Your list of connections, your bank account, your portfolio, your education. But friends, we know that is not all there is to our reality. Right, we can live as though this temporal life is all there is and we, we can have all the wisdom and all the might and all the uh, wealth that we could possibly amass but not know God and it's all worthless. Those things can't save us. It's not to say that those, those things aren't any good at all in our lives or can't be used for good. But if those things are given the place of ultimate priority and that is who we are and that's what defines us first and foremost, rather than God and living for his glory and Jesus and living to make him known and to know him, it's all for naught. Those things can't save us in our mortal lives in which we possess those things is, is a dot, is a speck on an eternal timeline. And so we dare not live for that dot and not for the eternal timeline. We dare not live for that speck and not for the eternal timeline. That's why Jeremiah and Paul and God can say, let him who boasts, boast in this, that you know me, that you understand my ways. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is why Jesus came for, for those of us, because this is, this is not our natural inclination. Not our natural inclination in, in a world where we just, we, we yearn to make much of ourselves and to put ourselves on pedestal and step on other people to get to the top and to, to be all about us. Right? That, that, that's our natural inclination. And so Jesus came, was born so that he might, might be all, of, not, instead of the, the, the one who truly was able to be all about himself, came and laid all of that down to put to death this, this, this boasting in ourselves. This amassing of our own accomplishments, this living for our own glory. That's the gospel. That's the good news of Christianity is that Jesus died to free us from the, the enslavement of our living for ourselves and for our own glory that leads only to death. That he would die in our place for our sins and say, this is the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. To the most important thing that you could ever be about. To the most important thing that you could ever stake your life on. To the most important thing that should ever truly identify you as you. <laughs> that you know the Father. That's the good news that we have here this morning. That's why people get baptized to say, I realize that God broke in and, 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 and shone a light on my heart to reveal that truth to me. That I might die to myself and rise to new life. 
So whatever your accomplishments, and again, we're, we're not saying that those things are of no importance or of no value, but those things exist in a world that God has made and in a story that God is telling. And what is of ultimate importance, what is of, gives true meaning to our lives, what is of incorruptible value is knowing him. This is why Paul says there at the end of the text, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 17, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And he says something else in the very next verse, verse 18. Look there in your text. He says, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends, which directs us to our next two points. Number two, boast in God-given authority. Boast in God-given authority. So now back up to the beginning of the text that we, where we started there in verse 7. Paul starts this paragraph by admonishing the Corinthians. He says, look at what is before your eyes. This is a mild rebuke to the Corinthians because they've been enamored by who are called the, the super apostles. He'll say that actually in chapter 11, verse 5. He'll call, there's this group that had made their way into Corinth who were really kind of uh, bragging on their, themselves and their accomplishments and putting Paul down by contrast. You know, we're, we're the guys you should listen to. Ignore him. He's nothing. Uh, these super apostles, they've been enamored with them and listening to them spin a narrative instead of looking at the evidence that is right before their eyes regarding Paul's ministry to the Corinthians, regarding Paul's relationship with the Corinthians. John Calvin, commenting on this passage, said that they were, they, they were indeed looking. The problem wasn't that they weren't looking. They were looking, but they were dazzled by an empty show. That's the problem with them. They're dazzled by an empty show. So Paul says, look around, look at what is before your eyes. And after that reproof there in the text, he says, if anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so are we. Right? So these super apostles are claiming to be serving Christ and boasting about their accomplishments and their credentials. But Paul says, in effect, who do you think we serve? Wh whose are we? We're Christ as well. And actually, the fact that we are Christ is why you guys even have a church. It's why you're even believers, because we're the ones that came and shared the gospel with you. Remember that? <laughs> so these other people who are claiming Christ but don't have the evidence before them of the spiritual fruit and the, the work in the Corinthians' lives, they're just all show. They're all flash. They're all talk. Putting people down like Paul in the process. Paul says, if they're saying they're Christ, so are we. And, and look around you, look at right in front of you what the evidence is. You're the evidence. So his point is that his confidence is in Christ alone. And then in verse 8, Paul acknowledges that he needs to boast a little in his authority, but he's not ashamed of doing so. Why? And here's where we, again, flesh out more of that understanding of how to differentiate proper boasting versus improper boasting. He says he's boasting in his authority because it's God-given and it's for God's purposes. It's God-given and it's for God's purposes. Do you see that in verse 8? He needs to boast a little, which again, he says, I'm not ashamed to do, because of the source of his authority and because of the purpose of his authority. Those two things, the source of his authority and the purpose of his authority. So the source, look at in the text, he says, this authority, he says, which the Lord gave. Right, so their, their authority is, is, is uh, as these apostles there uh, who have worked among them, Paul and Timothy and others, their authority is derived from God. God has given it. Wasn't earned, 
by their achievement. It wasn't conferred on them by some sort of institution. No, in this context, Paul is saying that he and the other apostles and true ministers of the gospel had been chosen by God and redeemed by Jesus and sealed by the Holy Spirit and given the task of preaching the gospel and planting churches. And that's what they'd been doing. So he says this authority is from God. And then you see the word for there in the text, right? This authority which, is for, which the Lord gave for. Right? There's, there's a purpose to this authority. For building you up and not for destroying you. He's happy to boast in his authority because it's from God. God gave him the position that he has. And it's an authority that is used for building others up and not tearing them down. Which is the exact opposite of what these super apostles were doing. Church, godly authority will be like this. It will be for building up of others and not for the destruction of others. Now listen, it's tempting in our day... Right? Whether that's because of abuses of power that we've seen or whether that's just because of our critical theory mood that we're in in our era, to feel that all authority is bad. All having of power is evil in, in its own right, just because it is. We simply can't hold that position and be serious students of Scripture. Right? We, we, we can't conclude that and see what the Bible is saying about authority and about power. There is good, godly authority. Right? Authority that makes Paul say, I'm, I'm fine with a little boasting in my own authority because it's given by God and it's, using, it's used for building others up and not destroying them. Just this last year, 2023, uh, our brother Jonathan Lehman, who's one of the, the pastors uh, over at Chevrolet Baptist Church uh, over in Maryland, uh, wrote a book called Authority. came out in 2023. The subtitle is this, How Godly Rule Protects the Vulnerable, Strengthens Community, and Promotes Human Flourishing. Listen to the description that the publisher puts out. It says, In every position of power... From executives and world leaders to church elders and parents lies the potential for life-giving leadership or destructive corruption. Driven by sinful pride or opportunism, many people abuse their God-given authority, harming the ones they're called to lead and contributing to a skeptical attitude toward leadership. Right? You may hear that and say, yeah, I've seen that. The answer, it goes on, the answer to bad authority, however, is not no authority, but good authority. The kind that, according to Scripture, causes those under it to flourish. So in the book, Lehman shows that authority done biblically is not only good, but essential to human flourishing. Church, we should value and be impressed with good, godly authority. And as you reflect on these verses here that we've looked at so far, maybe a good question to ask yourself is, is what impresses you? 
This is an important question for a number of reasons. One is that, that we can be easily led astray if we're dazzled by an empty show, as Calvin said. If we're enamored by personality, if we're enamored by performance, or if we're enamored by popularity, rather than the, the purity of the gospel and promoting of God's word and the priority of making Jesus big and making him known. If we're enamored by any of those other things rather than uh, that which we should be enamored by, the, the purity of the gospel and the promoting of God's word and the priority of making Jesus big, we will be led astray. Another reason that we need to ask ourselves that question of what impresses you, what, what, what kind of boasting do you think is legit, another reason is that we tend to pursue what impresses us. And so if you're impressed by money, if you're impressed by connections, if you're impressed by having the right contacts, if you're impressed by the right social media following, if you're impressed by a perfect home, if you're impressed by physical strength, if you're impressed by a bold, brash personality, if you're impressed by worldly accolades, then that is what you will be tempted to pursue to give your life true meaning. You see, Paul needed to boast a little to point the Corinthians toward health and away from danger. Look again at verses 10 through 12. Talking about these people who had shown up in Corinth. They say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. Let such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. He's boasting because of what these super apostles are saying about him. And we talked about this a bit last week, but there was this group of teachers in Corinth influencing the Corinthian church, bragging about their credentials and their eloquence and their worldly impressiveness. And they were pointing at Paul, by contrast, he's, he's kind of weak, pretty unimpressive, talks a big game in his letters, really bold when he's writing you a letter, but when he's in person, he's nothing. Paul is pointing out to them, he says, no, what we do when absent, we do when present, which kind of sidebar application. May that be said of us. We're not a letter-writing people today, but we are a tweeting people and a Facebooking people. <laughs> May we be able to say what he says there. Hey, the way I am in, in person is the same way I am when communicating with you from afar. But they had this thing against him and we're, 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 we're kind of tearing him down because he's not impressive, boasting on themselves. Kevin DeYoung, pastor I enjoy listening to, notes on this passage, and he puts this really well. He says, Paul is in the awkward position of needing to boast so that the church won't be led astray by a group of boasters who think that Paul has nothing to boast about because Paul doesn't really want to boast in the first place. That's it. That's what's going on here. Right? Paul is in the awkward position of needing to boast so that the church won't be led astray by a group of boasters who think that Paul has nothing to boast about because Paul doesn't really want to boast in the first place. That's right. Paul is boasting so that he might, correct, uh, so that he might pr protect the Corinthians from these people. 
And furthermore, verse 11, this whole business uh, about his uh, demeanor and his letters, right? He says that what we do and what we say by letter, we do when we are present. Paul Paul is boldly representing Jesus in his letters, and then he's very intentionally trying to steer them toward the Lord in his letters. He's aggressively challenging them, encouraging them where needed in his letters. And he says, that's the same thing I do in person. We are the same in person. And then finally there in verse 12, Paul contrasts himself with the super apostles in Corinth who were really just comparing themselves with one another. I don't know if you noticed that there. Uh, Look again at at verse 12. Uh, For you kind of English majors out there, there's uh, uh, something called a reflexive pronoun, right? Themselves, one another, right there in verse 12. He says that he he uses that reflexive pronoun six times in that one verse. What he's drawing out there is just all they're able to do is compare with one another. All they're able to do is, is, to, is to compare with themselves and to go back and forth with other human beings and validate themselves by each other. That's all they're doing. Right, so the, these super apostles were really just comparing themselves with one another. And he's saying, my com- com- commendation is derived from the Lord. Their commendation is derived from comparing themselves with themselves. I asked you earlier to reflect on what impresses you, but another great question is what will be impressive about you before others? May we use any authority that we have in the way that Paul does here so that whether, whatever authority you have, whether that's authority as a parent or as a teacher or as a supervisor, whatever authority that you have in your occupation, that people will see that God has placed us where he has and we're there for his purposes. That defines us. Rather than a comparison with each other, one commentator notes that Paul's opponents were locked in the prison of self-referentiality. And Paul's opponents were locked in the prison of self-referentiality, which is what you see in verse 12. All they know how to do, this commentator writes, is measure and compare themselves with one another. This is what the flesh loves to do. It is the nicotine of the soul for someone functioning out of a gospel deficit. When our hearts are not alive to the full and free approval of God, we naturally vacuum up approval anywhere else we can find it. That's such a good word. That's what these super apostles were doing because they were operating out of that gospel deficit. They hadn't been freed from that to know what it is to be free from this self-referentiality and to know that we have our our meaning and our life and, and our glory through Jesus. And so when you're like that, you've got to go and grab all kinds of accolades wherever you can get them. Because the gospel hasn't set you free to say, I don't need any of that. I have Jesus. Church boasts in God-given authority. A final consideration for us this morning in this text is to boast in gospel accomplishments. Boast in gospel accomplishments. Pick the text back up again in verse 13. He says, we will not boast beyond limits or other translations may say we will not excessively boast. We will not boast beyond limits or excessively 
boast, but we will boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned to us, to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you, for we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. All right, so right there in verse 13, he says, we, we will not boast beyond limits, but we will boast with regard to the area of influence that God has assigned to us. God has given us our area of influence, they say. So, so not only is Paul comfortable boasting in his authority that he has from God, remember, because Christ makes commendable, but he also is comfortable boasting in the area of influence that God has given him. Because Christ makes commendable. Christ has saved him and given him this area of influence. Specifically, Paul feels like he can boast about what the Lord has accomplished among the Corinthians by his efforts. Again, they're, they're in danger of being led astray by these super apostles in Corinth who are bragging on themselves and pumping themselves up. But Paul is saying, I, I don't feel like I'm out of line here for boasting about our, our area of influence, including the fact that you guys in Corinth have believed the gospel. Because in verse 14, it was Paul and company who were the first to take the gospel to Corinth. So if they want to know if Paul is legit, all he has to do is say, look around, look in the mirror. The fact that there's a church in Corinth, the fact that you know Christ is because the Lord assigned to me you as an area of influence. I came with the authority of Christ and preached the gospel to you. He's proud of that, rightly proud of that, and he wants them to see that as commendable. Uh, that, the, uh, that this work of, of God that was accomplished through them and this God-assigned area of influence, it's a commendable thing. God has work for each of us to do. Good works in which we're saved to walk. And Paul, pioneer missionary that he is, says in, in verse 15, he's not trying to boast about what others have done, but only in what God has called him to do. Church, as you consider the relevance of a text like this in your own life, I hope that you see that this dynamic of God-given authority and gospel influence isn't just for something for apostles in the first century. But this is what Jesus left for all of his followers. This is what the Great Commission is all about, right? After the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, before his ascension, he gathered his disciples to a hillside in Galilee, and he said to them, all authority, there's that word again, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, go therefore, sending them with his authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The church has a delegated authority and a, an area of influence and accomplishments to be pursued, making disciples of all nations. Again, we have the privilege of witnessing a baptism this morning because God is still doing that 
that commission still lives on. That is what we aim to be about here at this church. The thing that we want most is to make disciples who will make disciples. That's what churches are supposed to be about. Preach the gospel, make disciples, plant churches, mature people in their faith so that that work can continue on because that is what Christ has commissioned us to do. That's why we support the work that we do around the world. That's why you hear frequently at our evening services updates from missionaries who are on the field. Brett and Mandy Lewis just recently landed in Abu Dhabi with the desire of doing that. Taking a team to Thailand here in a couple weeks to strengthen churches all over Southeast Asia. 20 plus churches who are doing exactly that because this is what God has given. This is, we should be enamored with this. We should be impressed with this. That's something that we should boast in, is, is not, not, not in ourselves, but in the work that God is doing, God-given authority and God-assigned areas of influence. So that's something we can take great pride in. Each and every one of you here that the Lord is working in your lives, in your hearts, the, all of the things that we support locally here in Alexandria, the church plants all around this country with Josh Chapman and Brian Davis and Ben Robin, people that we've sent out, we take great delight in that. That is a good thing to boast in. Not, a, not, not in a braggy, kind of prideful way, but of saying that is what we are to be doing. And by God's grace, that's what we're doing. May he strengthen us to do it all the more. And so this is what Paul, is, is, is the, the drum that he is beating with them as well. This is what the church is to be doing. Right? Preaching the good news of Christ, making disciples, baptizing them in the church, teaching them to obey. This is the prize on which Paul has his eye. Paul can say in verses 15 and 16 of our text, with, with genuinely all humility and godliness, that he hopes his area of influence with the Corinthians increases. Right? He boasts with regard to the area of influence that God assigned and he wants that area of influence to increase. How is Paul not crossing a line there into sinful boasting or inappropriate desire wanting his area of influence to increase? Well, it's because the impact that he so desires, the impact that he so values is gospel impact. He boasts in his work in Corinth because in his work in Corinth, Jesus was made big. Right? He boasts in what was accomplished among the Corinthians because Jesus' fame was spread. Jesus' beauty was cherished. Jesus' glory was seen. And he wants that influence to increase in Corinth, not so people know who Paul is. He doesn't care if people know who Paul is. He wants that to increase, so, so not so people remember him or know him, but that they know Jesus. He wants that area of influence to, to, to increase and to grow so that through the Corinthians... Not so people will know who Paul is, but, but uh, so that he, can have, or that he can kind of build a name for himself or have a building named after him, but so that Corinth would be a launching pad for more gospel work and still further lands. That's why, that's our desire. We, we desire each and every one of you who know Jesus to go tell other people about Jesus. So that Delray Baptist Church can get bigger? I, I don't care. We don't care. So that Jesus can be known. So that other churches can be planted. 
We want to support good mission work that's going on around the world. Why? So people would know us and give us some plaque on the wall for giving money to missions? No, we don't care. We want Jesus to be big around the nations. We want people in here to band together and go visit our missions partners around the world and to do good gospel ministry. Why? So that people in all corners of the world will be like, man, Delray Baptist Church, what a group of people. We don't care. We want Jesus to be made big, and we boast in that and in that alone. That's exactly what Paul's doing here. He says, guys, I want, I'm going to boast a little bit. I, I'm proud of this gospel influence we've had there. And I want it to increase so that the gospel will go further still. Not for me. Church, if you want to safeguard yourself to boast in the right way and about the right kinds of things, give yourself to and boast in gospel accomplishments. That's the antidote and that's the goal. Let's end where we began, verses 17 and 18. You see, See if you feel how this undergirds everything he's talked about so far. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. The reason we can do anything commendable and boast in anything is because Christ did exactly this. He of whom the Father said, this is my beloved Son and whom I am well pleased, didn't live for his own commendation, but to glorify the Father. His was the perfect use of authority, where he used it for the good of others. And he did all of this so that his area of influence would increase and reach you and reach me. That we might submit to his good and righteous rule and likewise Live as those whose boast is only in the cross and who live for the singular goal of God's glory and for the fame of Jesus Christ in all nations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for your strengthening for us. God, help us to live in light of the truths that we just rehearsed. God, help us to boast in all of the right ways. Guard us from uh, a braggishness or uh, a pride that would, that would seek to to build ourselves up or be all about ourselves. <clears throat> Lord, would you guard us in purity of mind and purity of thought and purity of motive in our ministries, in our lives? Would you help us to pursue gospel ministry and, and, and pursue wielding of good authority, pursue gospel accomplishments? God, help us to boast only in you. We pray. In the name of Christ and for his sake. Amen.